0: Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated patriotic public servants. Every day they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights, they do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them.
2: Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Today, we have a great, great, great honor uh, for us. And we have the great Alan Dershowitz to talk about the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. He, I call him the last true liberal in America, and I mean that in a positive sense. He's a great man. Everyone knows who he is. And he he is actually the only one, I think, on the liberal side, the real liberal side. I don't see any others who are saying maybe this raid was a foul ball. His book is The Price of Principle. It's an amazing book, and it's about the efforts to cancel Mr. Dershowitz and his entire career. Why? Because he stuck to his principles instead of taking sides in the culture and political wars dividing our nation. This is an important book. We all have to listen. And we'll talk about the three sets of principles that Mr. Dershowitz describes in his book, The Price of Principle, momentarily. Alan Dershowitz, thanks for being with us on the Michael Savage podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be on with you, even though you grew up in the Bronx and I grew up in (laughs) Brooklyn. Uh, We still have a lot in common. We're both... Civil libertarians, we believe in the Constitution, you from a more conservative point of view, me from a more liberal point of view. But today, conservatives are the protectors of civil liberties. The left has given up on civil liberties. Uh, Get Trump at all costs is what uh, they seem to be saying. Let the Constitution be damned. You know, my former colleague, Lawrence Tribe, he actually went on CNN without criticism and told the set. He said that he's trying to persuade Merrick Garland, his former student, to indict former President Trump for attempting to murder Pence. For attempting to murder Pence. He said this on CNN, and he said he's going to try to get Merrick Garland to do it. He's not sure Merrick Garland will do it. But if this is what a former Harvard law professor is saying, if he had written that in an exam, I'd give him a a, a C- with great inflation and tell him he was in the wrong profession. But Tribe and others like that don't care. The Constitution be damned, the law be damned, Just get trump
2: why that's the way what is the madness alan what is the madness about trump
1: well i think they think he's destroying america and look i don't want to get into a debate about that i don't vote for trump in fact the reason i want him to run again i don't want anybody stop him from running next time because i want to have the american right to vote against him i voted against him twice and i'll vote him against him a third time okay i defended him but i want the right to vote against him just like you have the right to vote for him And no bureaucrat should take that right away from us.
2: Well, we had no foreign wars. Gas was half the price it is now. So there are a lot of reasons to say I'd like to see Mr. Trump back in office, but we're not here really to talk. It's really not about Trump, is it? It's about us. It's about we, the American people. I think, Alan, you're the constitutional expert. I went on Newsmax TV where you're a regular and I saw your monologue the other night and it was actually the best I've heard yet on all the problems with this raid. But I talked about the Fourth Amendment violation of illegal search and seizure, which is a real liberal uh, bugaboo. I mean, I think that this uh, judge, this I think you should tell the audience that a uh, judge of this kind, he's not really a federal judge. He's he's like a lower level federal judge, isn't he?
1: Well, he's not an Article three judge. That is, he doesn't serve necessarily under the Constitution for life. Uh He's a magistrate judge. They used to just call them magistrates, and then they elevated them and called them magistrate judges. But he has the authority to issue uh, search warrants. And look, any judge would do this. Judges hand out search warrants the way parents hand out uh, candy at Halloween or Christmas. Judges don't guard the guardians. They don't protect the Fourth Amendment. And it's very possible that uh, the FBI had probable cause for believing that classified material may have been in boxes in the basement at Mar-a-Lago. Can I
2: interrupt? I was told yesterday by a local former U.S. attorney here in the Bay Area that the 15 boxes in question were, in fact, put there, sent there by the GSA. And they told Mr. Trump to put it under lock and key in his own house. They sent it.
1: But that's probably right, and uh, that's why a subpoena should have issued. They could have asked to have the boxes shipped over to the federal courthouse, and then the lawyers could argue about whether or not certain material was classified, declassified, privileged, etc. But you don't engage in a massive search and seizure, including the closets of uh, Trump's wife. Um, uh, even if you have probable cause, uh, you, get a, you get a subpoena. And and it's part and parcel of what's going on today generally. Why do I defend Republicans? Because they're the ones today who are having their constitutional rights violated. Paul Manafort, uh uh Stone, uh uh, uh others, they get arrested.
2: Who, is, who was the man? Who was the man, the wonderful man? I'm sorry I don't remember his name. I'm not trying to disrespect him who they put leg shackles on.
1: Peter Peter Navarro. What the hell was Uh, that about? Well, it's about intimidation. You know how my clients get arrested? I get a call from the U.S. attorney saying, say it's a Monday. Oh, by the way, at four o'clock to this afternoon, your client was indicted. Do you mind bringing him in tomorrow? We'll arraign him at nine. And I say, no, tomorrow's a busy day for me. Can we do it on Wednesday? They say, oh, that's fine. Bring him in on Wednesday. We'll 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 grant bail. Uh, then we'll have a trial. He's presumed innocent. That's the way the system's supposed to work. You don't go and arrest people and put them in shackles unless you have a reasonable basis for believing they're a flight risk oh, or a danger God. to the community. How is Paul Manafort a danger to the community? How are these guys dangerous? How is Peter Navarro
2: community? a danger to the community? He's a wonderful man.
1: Yeah, I don't know these guys. I'm not defending them. As but, Alan, we I'm heard about the Constitution.
2: We yeah. heard about we heard about show trials in the Soviet Union.
1: I was involved in them. I, I defended Natan Sharansky. I defended uh, probably 25. You defended Sharansky in, Ru- in Russia? I went to Russia. I went to Russia like 10 times. Uh, huh. I filed briefs in the case. Uh, I co-authored a book called Courts of Terror by Telford Taylor. We put together a great legal team. I have represented people all over the world, and I have to tell you, Uh what is going on in America today reminds me of some of those repressive regimes. I went to a trial in China a few years ago, where after the evidence was heard, only evidence from the prosecution, then they called in the masses, and the masses came into the courtroom, and they voted unanimously to convict the guy. Uh, You know, that's Chinese justice. There's Iranian justice. There's Syrian justice. There's Russian justice. That's supposed to be different than American justice, and it is. American justice is much better, but it's being abused today for political and partisan reasons. That's why I wrote my book, The Price for Principle. I I talk about the weaponization of the criminal justice system It used to be by the right, McCarthy, Nixon. Now it's by the left. It's just as bad, no matter from which side it comes. And as a neutral civil libertarian who votes liberal Democrat, I'm going to be as critical of my party as I would be if the other party were doing this.
2: Michael Savage,
0: a host like no other. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing.
2: Alan Dershowitz, your book, The Price of Principle is All About Principle, and we realize there's something very wrong here. I have a, a a couple of odd questions. The FSB today in Russia, since you're probably far more familiar with it than I am, does the average Russian citizen today have rights that exceed those of some of us here in America today?
1: No, I don't think so. The average Russian citizen, if they speak out, if they were on a program like I'm on a program with you and said things I said okay. about the current government would be arrested. So we're not. Well, offended. wait.
2: Hey, Alan, it's early in the year yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But look, I can tell you what's happening to me um, because I defended President Trump. The Chilmark Library, a public library funded by taxpayer money, has canceled me and refused to allow me to speak for years and years and years. I was the most popular speaker in the library. I talk mm-hmm. about Jefferson. I talk about free speech. I talk about Israel. Where, where, Where is this at Harvard? No, no, no. It's in Martha's Vineyard where a lot of Harvard professors come I for the you. summer. And a lot of Hollywood people come for the summer, which is the problem because they're all, m- many of them, a crazy uh, left wing zealot. Uh, you know, Larry David comes over to me on the oh, fourth please, of the Chillmark store and says, You're disgusting because you patted Mike Pompeo on the back. I said, Larry, he was my student and I worked with him on the Abraham Accords. I said to him, you will be remembered in history for what you brought about in the Middle East. And Larry Davis, said, you're disgusting. All of you are disgusting. I'll never talk to you again. No, I'm not a fan uh, of
2: Larry David. Okay, I think and that's he's, OK.
1: I don't mind the social. Ostracism. No, I like
2: his humor, but I don't like what he represents as a no, Jew. I'll be honest with you.
1: I can tell you there's no humor there. The real Larry Davis, the guy you see on the show, budging, oh, he's, no. he's nasty. I helped his daughter get into college. And the response is he won't talk to me. The library, that's the most important thing. The people of you. Are, this is on Martha Vineyard, want to hear me speak. I was the most popular speaker. The library has now said you can't speak, and they've made every excuse. You know what their excuse was, their first excuse? You're too popular, and you fill the library too much. And we have <laughs> trouble. I said, fine, limit the number of people. And they said, oh, you apply too late. I said, oh. no, I applied two years earlier to speak. You oh. used to invite me all the time to speak. I said, if the Southern library made those excuses about a pro-choice speaker or an anti-racist speaker you'd all be up in arms about that but it's okay if it's directed against somebody oh, that's who awful. defended president trump another story just to tell you what's going on i tell all these stories in the price of principle this stuff just happened yesterday a good friend of mine's daughter's getting engaged mazel tov that's very nice they invited me to the party i got an email yesterday saying Sorry, Alan, we have to disinvite you oh. from this party, because so many people on the Vineyard have said, if you come to this engagement party, they're going to leave. They're oh, not my God. You defended Trump.
2: You know, Alan, I live outside of San Francisco. I have for years and years. I'm basically a hermit and I'm a highly social person. Uh, I was banned in Britain in 1999 for things I didn't even say. I'm not allowed to go to Britain. And, and I wanted to go to Britain because I know the cuisine is so great and the dental works very famous. <laughs> but, okay, I, I read it on the drudge report and I turned it into a joke. I was banned. I know what it's like to be ostracized. I know what it's like to be isolated. It's a nightmare. When you do this to a person, you may as well kill them in many ways. It's no, not I don't easy. agree with
1: you. I'm going to fight back. You know, they're going to ostracize me. I can deal with the ostr- The thing is, they're directing it against my wife uh. and my children. And my wife didn't even agree with me defending Trump. And my children didn't agree with me. I'm, you know, in my family, we do the things we think are principled and right. They don't agree with me, but they're being ostracized. They're being canceled. They're being banned. Yeah. They're being hurt. I have a thick skin. I've developed a thick skin over 60 years of doing this kind of thing. But don't pick on my family.
2: In your book, The Price of Principle, and I have to go back to the book and, of course, back to the FBI raid, because I think they're intertwined, obviously. yeah. And I'd like to know, in your opinion, today I saw that Garland is pointing his finger at Ray. They're both blaming each other. Are they? Is this falling apart? This race? Yes,
1: I think it is. I think it's backfired. There's no. I know Merrick Garland. I remember him as a student at Harvard Law School. I supported him. You want to hear a funny story? This sure. Is a great, funny story. I'm on the porch of the Chilmark store in Martha's Vineyard. It's probably four years ago now. You can figure out the date from the story. My cell phone rings. Hey, Alan, it's Donald. My first instinct was to say, Donald, who? And he said, you got a minute. My first instinct was to say, no, I'm having a pizza. But I'll call you back. I said, no, Mr. President, what would you like? He mm-hmm. says, Alan, I want you to tell me who I should put on the Supreme Court. This was his first vacancy. Huh. So I said, oh, that's easy, Mr. President. Appoint Merrick Garland because he huh. had his seat stolen from him by the Republicans. Trump laughs and says, that's a really good one, Alan. Now tell me for real who I should put on. And I said, <laughs> and I said Kavanaugh um uh was the least worst of the people on his list i didn't love the list i would have had a different list i'm a liberal democrat he put kavanaugh on 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 the court but you know the point is the point is you gotta get back to having some principles you gotta get back to sticking to the constitution we can't say a constitution for me but not for thee free speech for me but not for thee but that's what's going on on the hard left today and that's what's going on In this town of Chilmark, where I have lived for 53 years in the summer, that's what's going on at Harvard University in a different way, where I taught for 50 years. The institutions I love, the Chilmark Library, the Harvard Law School, the Harvard University, they're all becoming very, very biased toward anything on the right and favorable to anything on the left. Lawrence Tribe now represents the mainstream of the harvard law school indict president trump for attempting to murder murder pence if that's on, what our laws crazy students are being taught today it's we have a lot to worry about for the future Because remember larry tribe is the past but the students are the future his students oh and my students are the attorney generals of the united states the former president of the united states the editors-in-chief of the various media outlets this is the future and this future is going to be an unprincipled future. People are not going to stick to principle because they see what happens to me. They see what happens to the few other people who stick to principles. And they don't want to go through that. My own family doesn't want to go mm. through that.
2: No, I, I don't blame them. Yeah. Uh, we've all studied the Red Guard in China on the Mao. We know about the young pioneers in the Soviet Union. And I think that what we are seeing is the equivalent of the Red Guard and the young pioneers emerging, according to what you're just saying. But for the moment, I need to go back to the raid on Mar-a-Lago as the number one legal scholar in this country who I admire. Will this unravel? Will there be an apology? What will happen?
1: There will never be an apology, but it will Uh, unravel. It will, first of all, help Republicans get elected in the midterm. I think there are a lot of people who are saying to themselves, look, I don't look, Trump, Um, maybe I shouldn't vote Republican. But if this is what the Democrats are doing to civil liberties and civil rights, if they do it to Trump today, they can do it to us tomorrow. That's what I feel. You know, we're not at the Red Guard yet. But, you know, I went to China on behalf of Senator Ted Kennedy in 1979, and that was the tail end of the Cultural Revolution, where professors were becoming uh, the ones who took away civil liberties. And I'm beginning to see a little bit, only a smattering of that now. Lawrence Tribe would have been a very, very comfortable member of the academics who put dissenting academics on pig farms and made them rehabilitate themselves or what happened in South Africa during apartheid. We have to stand up for civil liberties. And the one good thing that's happening is many conservatives today are becoming the real bulwarks of civil liberties. You know, when I was growing up, people used to say a liberal is a conservative who's been mugged. Yeah. Um and 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 uh, uh or a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. Sorry, a conservative is a liberal <laughs> who's been mugged. And I say that a civil libertarian is a conservative who's been audited, whose house has been searched, who's been indicted, whose kid has been picked up on drug charges. Suddenly you become a civil libertarian if you see it could happen to you. And I think the raid on Marilago and the taking of the telephone from the congressman and the arrest of people like Navarro and Manafort and Stone. Are turning many conservatives into civil libertarians, and that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, well, I agree with uh, everything you're saying, and I there's so many things. You know, each time you say something, it triggers other questions, and I don't want to lose what we're talking about, which is sure. not only the F, not only the FBI raid, but how it ties into your book, which I want to refer to again, the Price of Principle, because it's all interrelated. I mean, I'm not, not trying to sell your book, but the truth is. It's an important book because it ties right into the subject uh, at hand. The principles that have guided your life, according to the book, are freedom of expression and conscience. We're losing that due process. We're losing that Uh, equal basic equality equality and meritocracy. It went out with affirmative action meritocracy. Well, meritocracy meritocracy
1: died in America with affirmative action. If you assert that you're in favor of meritocracy today, that is called a microaggression. You yeah. can actually be fired for talking about meritocracy. Unreal. Because that insults people who won't, don't want equality. They want what, what they call equity.
2: Meaning they want equity. something they're not entitled to in plain it, English.
1: It's, but an, you know, equity I, means equality for me, but not for thee.
2: Alan, yeah. when Fidel Castro got sick, he didn't use a Cuban doctor who graduated the University of Havana. He sent for a Jewish doctor from the University of Miami. I mean, that says it all to me. You know, this is what communism is all about. And so the fact of the matter is, I don't ask you to agree with me, but I guess, see I got a little chuckle out of you out of you inside. The fact is, who is going to fly our airplanes, for example, if there is no meritocracy in pilots examinations? Well, who's last gonna, year, on, who's going to fly the airplane.
1: I can tell you last year on my birthday, um, I had I went celebrated and had some great food And as a result, I had a gallbladder attack, ultimately had my gallbladder removed. And so we had to fly to New York on an emergency from the vineyard. And we went on a jet blue plane and it was the biggest hurricane of many years. And we were on the plane with me, my wife, my two sons, my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law and my grandchildren. And I said, Mm. oh, my God, I just hope this pilot was picked on meritocracy and everybody wants a pilot to be meritocratically selected everybody wants their surgeon to be meritocratically selected i'll tell you a great story about that so i had to have some surgery and i went all over the country i went over picking the great the greatest surgeon and everybody told me the same name and and the name was a very waspy name i don't want to get into names and i figured i'd get the six foot two inch brahmin brahmin Uh, operating on me and I get to the operating room and it's an African-American guy from Brooklyn, five foot six (laughs) tall. And I say, thank God I have the best surgeon possible. And, you know, if you pick meritocracy, you're going to get diversity. This guy is the best surgeon and he's black and he's from Brooklyn and he talks with an accent and he's five foot six. And and that's what real meritocracy
2: produces. (laughs) I know without without, you know, I wrote this years ago, Alan. Without quality, there can be no equality. Yeah. I made it real simple.
1: You can just quote an African-American leader who said, I dream of a time when my children will be judged by the quality of their character and not by the color of their skin. That was Martin Luther King. And that's the kind of equality I I want. I wrote another book called The Case for Meritocracy in an age of uh, inequality and and, uh, of identity politics. And I got criticized for that. Well, one good thing about writing books, this is my 50th book. Hmm. Nobody can censor my books. The library may not carry it, but you can get it on Amazon. And it, they're inexpensive and they're quick reads. And I now write more books than I read. I've written like six books in the last three years because it's calling out. I need to have my voice heard. I can't speak in the library. I can't go to events in, Mar- in Chilmark, a Temple Emanuel in New York has banned me. The 92nd. Oh secretary has banned me. The oh. Ramaz School has banned me. Wow. The Hebrew Center on Martha's Vineyard has banned me. they all banned me, but I can write my books. They can't stop me. If they start burning books, then we really have to think hard about where we want to live.
2: The Savage Nation.
0: It's Savage On Demand. More information will be made available in the appropriate way. And at the appropriate time. Thank you.
2: Attorney General, the to, uh, the agents.
0: Uh, thank you all for your questions. But as I said, this is all I can say at this time. You know, Alan,
2: I've had 28 books published. So I had five great. in a row, six in a row that were bestsellers with Hachette. They great. not only fired my editor, not because of me, they eliminated the entire conservative wing out of Hachette. She's a great editor, Kate Hartson. She was doing all the conservative yeah. books at the time while Trump was in office. You know what I do now? I bypass the publishers. I'm going directly to Kindle on things that I want to publish.
1: Well, that's interesting. I, I publish with a company called Skyhorse. They publish the books nobody else will publish. They published Woody Allen's book when wow. uh, it got canceled. Um, they publish my books. They publish uh, Paul Manafort's uh, book. Which who, who I,
2: are they? Who's the editor in chief over there?
1: His, his name's Tony Lyons. He's a, a terrific young publisher, uh, and he's not. He's I don't know what his politics are. I have no idea. Right. He publishes left, right, center, but he won't be allowed. He won't allow himself to be intimidated. He won't allow himself to be told what to publish. But and it's all. But,
2: it. Alan, it's all distribution. You know that, you know, when my books would come well, out, I go into the local Barnes and Noble. I'm a local author. They have a table that says local authors. I'm a bestseller. You couldn't find my book. It was under uh, feminine hygiene. Right? With the book <laughs> under fe- So I would go I go to the clerk and say, look, I'm michael savage i live here i've been here for 30 years uh my book's in feminine hygiene but it's really a political book could you possibly move it to the bestseller table you know i get stares but okay that's what it went that's what went on at the time so you know it's a form of censorship we've been living with for for a long long time i know your time is limited and i know the book is very important to you and the fbi on mar-a-lago is very important to the listeners is it wrong for me to refer to you as the last true liberal in America. Would you be honored with that, or you think it's a? Oh, I'm very
1: honored with that. Um, oh, there are half a dozen left. Some of my former students who still stand by me. But uh, You know what's <laughs> missing? You know, during the Holocaust, there were two groups of people. Aside from the Jews, uh, there were the bystanders who let it happen, and there were the upstanders who stood up against it. Today, there are no upstanders left.
2: Oh my people god! People
1: are not willing, particularly on the liberal side. They don't want to lose friends they don't want to lose status they want to and you know that's why i am a pariah on martha's vineyard the cabal has gotten together and said if you invite dershowitz to anything concert to speak to attend the daughter's uh, engagement party any of that you will be regarded as a pariah as well and so the cabal has Mm. gotten together And they doing it to my wife and my children. too. That's awful. And I tell the story in The Price of Principle. I tell the story about how this has happened and what impact it's had. And if it happens to me, it could happen to you. Do you ever get out to San Francisco? Yeah. My um, granddaughter is a a student at Sanford and um, uh, my son and his wife have an apartment in San Francisco. So I, I, I live I spent a year in Palo Alto. Uh at the Center for Advanced Study and Behavioral Sciences, I was a, a scholar there and I love San Francisco. I, oh, loved I, the lo- food. I love I the I love the city. The- I love the food. I,
2: I used Everything. to love the city. I mean, I live nearby, let's say over the bridge. And I gave up my apartment after COVID hit for a number of reasons. But I'm saying this off the record because the next time you're out here, let me know. I'll take you to a really good Italian restaurant because my mother makes you rest in peace, live to 88 in Boca. And all she talked about on the phone was how bad the food was. You can't uh-huh. get Italian food. You can't get Chinese food. I would try to send her the food by taxi. It was never any good.
1: Well, but, in San Francisco. You can get great Italian food. You can get great Chinese best food. Chinese food oh, in the world. I love it. My dim sum uh, appetite is, is satisfied. And in San Francisco, we have a family tradition of having dim sum on Sunday morning and uh, San Francisco is the best place.
2: Well, absolutely. And the Haka cuisine was really good. The clay pot cookery. Very good stuff. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But Alan, before you go, the FBI raid, I just want to close with your incredibly informed opinion. When you say there'll be no apology, I agree with you. That's one thing you'll never hear from, I think, either party. They never apologize. How will this unravel if it will what will happen
1: well it depends on what the government tries to do if they try to indict the former president based on material obtained from the raid there will be a very significant legal battle about whether that material was obtained consistent with the fourth amendment whether it can be included we also have what's going on in new york where an attorney general who ran for office this is an attorney general who ran for office right on the promise that she would get Trump. And now she's trying to get Trump, and he refuses to answer questions. If I were his lawyer, I would have based the uh, opposition on a different reason, not the Fifth Amendment. I would say, I'm not answering questions that are going to be used in a campaign. I'm not going to answer questions to satisfy a politician's campaign pledge. Hmm. Get a new prosecutor. Get somebody who didn't run on that campaign promise, and I'll answer the questions, but not until then.
2: Hmm. Well, you know, I admire Donald Trump. Forget his politics, which I happen to like, because a lot of his politics are my politics in the sense that he's a man for all seasons at, at, at a certain level. He's a politician. However, when he was running, I happen to know for a fact he understood which way the wind was blowing and he ran on that on that wave. He was flying on an updraft. I understand that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we all know that this raid is going to put him back on the campaign trail. It's will launch him back into the White House. And when he is president again, I hope you're made attorney general of the United States.
1: Too old for that. But let's get one more point before I have to go. The people on the left are also saying if he's convicted of mishandling classified or presidential materials, Cameron, they're totally wrong. The Constitution provides four criteria for running for president. You have to be 35, born in America, you have to have not fought in the Civil War against the Union. A little too late for that. <laughs> and you have to not have been impeached and convicted with the proviso that you can't run. Right. If those four criteria met. Congress can't add additional criteria. Uh-huh. It's unconstitutional. And so he can run and I can't vote against him, which I plan to do.
2: It says and you have to not have been impeached. He was not impeached. Correct. They tried. tried. No, he was he ha-
1: he was impeached, but not convicted uh-huh. in order to be disqualified. You have to be impeached convicted, and the Senate has to add on to the impeachment and conviction, and you were disqualified from running for any office again. None of that has occurred with regard to Trump. As far as I know, he was born in Queens. He's 35 years old, and he didn't fight in the Civil War. <laughs> so I think he can be president. God forbid he should go to jail. He can run from jail. Mayor Curley ran from prison and became the mayor of <laughs> Boston. There's nothing once he's qualified to run, no Congress can stop him from running. You
2: said today in your article in Newsmax, you can run for president from a hospital, you can run for president if you're a felon. The Congress can't reduce or change the criteria. Uh, That's so right. there we are. Alan Dershowitz, a phenomenal pleasure for me to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Alan. A pleasure. Take Thanks care. for your time. You Bye love. now. Bye. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered,
3: and raw. You know, I think this is an attack on our constitutional republic. I think it's an attack on the rule of law. This is the FBI being used as a political weapon against your opponents. And do I think the director of the FBI knew? Absolutely. Do I think the attorney general knew? Absolutely. I can't vouch for how far it went up. And they may have tried to keep the White House at at arm's length. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the White House
2: knew. Well, these are very dangerous times. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. We're talking about the FBI raid of Donald Trump's private possessions at Mar-a-Lago. It's a shock that is heard around the world. And we're speaking with John O'Connor. He's a very experienced trial lawyer, tried cases in state and federal court, served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California. He has represented the United States in both criminal and civil cases. And um, he has uh, written the Fifth Amendment and state of mind briefs for the prosecution in the United States versus Patricia Hearst. He represented the FDIC, FSLC, and other uh, government agencies during the savings and loan crisis of the 80s. He represented W. Mark Felt regarding the revelation of his identity as Deep Throat. He's the author of the book, The Mysteries of Watergate. And he has a very nuanced approach to the dangers of that we are living in today I want to say this it's very important I say this to you my loyal listeners right at the outset uncensored speech as well as private rights are being destroyed the lights are going out in America the Biden gang is moving our nation backwards into the dark ages depriving us of personal property of free speech dragging us into their cult of war and the conception of the citizen as belonging to the state has become preeminent under the senile Mussolini. They tolerate no opinions but their own. The Democrats feed on hatred. And I'm giving all of you a message. We must resist the fear of speaking and expressing ourselves. The fear which now darkens the sunlight of freedom in America. I'm Michael Savage. Share this with 10 friends. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, we're speaking with a man who knows the law better than most people in the world. And we're going to talk about to me. And I was on Newsmax last night, Mr. O'Connor, and I I made it very simple. I read the Fourth Amendment. On TV, because to me, the violation of the Fourth Amendment is is germane to this. I think people have forgotten that we had jackbooted thugs called the British that caused the first American Revolution, and they would go into houses, break down the doors, seize papers, Turn the house upside down, and arrest people without probable cause. And you're you're a lawyer who's an expert on this. I'm going to ask you a leading question, which is: Do you believe that there was a violation of the Fourth Amendment in this raid? Of course, they got it some crackpot judge to sign off on it. But what does that mean?
3: Well, uh, let me hedge. Technically, it's not a <laughs> violation. They got a thread. They got a thread there that they can hang their hat on. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever, however. Mo- Much my metaphor may be mixed here, but look, they weren't going after classified documents here. Anybody would be a fool who would believe that Mm -hmm. this was a fishing expedition. Uh, The Justice Department rules protocols are you use the least intrusive method to get documents. mm -hmm. The least intrusive being cooperate with the other side, which the other side was doing, which Trump's lawyers were doing. They had uh, these agents visited down there three times. Huh. So you don't even you don't even need a subpoena. But if, if you did have to have a subpoena, that would be the way to go. The problem with that is all you're going to get is the documents you should get and not the fishing stuff you want. We, we
2: read yesterday, Mr. O'Connor, that the uh, FBI agents went through Melania's clothing. What were they looking for? Used panties?
3: Well, probably. Uh, and that's a good example of why the execution of this thing was was really ridiculous i mean if you're looking for evidence of classified documents are you going to get them in melania's panties this, this is really stupid.
2: john you're an experienced trial lawyer you've been practicing here in san francisco since 72 and you you encounter all sorts of liberal lawyers and i've seen cases that have been thrown out for not following probable cause i saw a case in new york a few years ago that i talked about on the radio show years ago where cops, undercover cops, saw a car in the Bronx that was low to the ground. They assumed there was Dominican drug dealers they've been following. They had no warrant, but they assumed there was coke in the trunk because the trunk was the car was so low to the ground. So they arrested the guys, opened the trunk, found the coke. Case was thrown out because they didn't follow probable cause. Right. This is done all the time. Right. Absolutely. Well, what Absolutely. I'm saying is in San Francisco, drug dealers were allowed to go back on the street by Chesa Boudin over and over again. What is the crime here that Trump committed that they were alleging? What crime did he commit?
3: Well, the real crime is being Trump. Yep. But the crime they're alleging is there's some very broad uh, prohibitions against removing classified uh, documents. And it makes sense. If, if you're looking to get documents out to the Russians, you take a whole bunch of Of documents from your place in the state department and bring them over to some your apartment to give to the russians of course that's a violation of law now so now in this case in this case the gsa the government services administration packed up 15 of these boxes themselves and sent them to mar-a-lago so these Are are they guilty of a crime these were packed not
2: by the trump family or trump workers these were packed by the gsa
3: at least 15 boxes there may have been some others that trump packed but but the main <laughs> the main group of them were packed by the gsa
2: john you i read that part of your sterling background and i'm not being sarcastic you wrote fifth amendment and state of mind briefs for the prosecution in united states versus patricia hurst yes they did that's pretty that's pretty impressive. So you're an expert on the Fifth Amendment.
3: Well, uh, I'll, I'll gladly accede to that. Uh, you know. <laughs> good,
2: good. There aren't too many experts left in this world on anything. Yeah. Can you tell us on to this podcast? What is the Fifth Amendment and why was it added to the Bill of Rights?
3: Well, the whole idea of the Fifth Amendment is you're not supposed to be forced to incriminate yourself. Uh, and, and that's what would happen. People would, uh, besides their papers being seized and their property being seized, they would be routinely harassed and and uh, questioned. Mm. And if the people didn't admit what they were doing, then, you know, then then there would be further harassment. So the whole idea was the government should not be able to force somebody to incriminate himself to give all this testimony about what they've been doing. If the Mm -hmm. government can't prove it themselves, they shouldn't be out there prosecuting you. That's the big deal. You're you're a government of uh, that's supposed to respect the rights of the people. That's who's who's your boss.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I think they've forgotten their history, nor do they care. Everyone, you know, I noticed that even liberals are freaked out over this. Real liberals are very worried about it because, of course, this could come back to bite everyone in this country, meaning if they can do it to a former president, they could do it to John Doe, Jane Doe. They could make up a pretext, break your door down and go go through your underwear. And uh, as Stalin said, show me the person, I'll show you the crime. That's what we're getting into right now. Is there an outrage, you think, in the liberal, the real liberal community over this? Well, no, the
3: real liberals, yes. But how many real liberals are left anymore? I can
2: count so, them on let's see my third hand, which I don't have.
3: The most liberal people in this country are what we call conservatives. They're trying to conserve the liberal traditions of America. There are very few on the left that are true liberals anymore. They're well,
2: authoritarian. Dershowitz, I would consider a, a classic liberal, right? And I saw him on Newsmax TV where he actually made he says, "I'm a liberal. I voted for Obama. I voted for Hillary." And on and on, he said. But this is a violation of virtually all of our law and laws. I would say he's a true liberal. I would think he's the only yep. public, he's the only public one I've seen.
3: That's right. There, there was a very good uh, article in the Wall Street Journal an interview with a woman on the board of the ACLU, a professor in New York, who basically the had had uh, as part of the article it said R.I.P. John Stuart Mill. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that's what's happened to the country. Free speech and liberty of thought uh, are are just being uh, abolished in this country.
2: Where where is the ACLU? Normally, they would jump to the defense of anyone who was violated like this. And we know they hate Trump. But have they issued a statement about this that, you know, of, Mr. O'Connor? That, that, that's who Who would you say michael who was aclu after? has the aclu issued a
3: no i don't think they've i think they've stayed silent on this mm. which is which is abominable because this is exactly what the aclu uh ha, has so nobly fought against i like a lot of the fighting that the aclu has done over the years but now they seem to uh, be turned toward this authoritarian side of uh progressivism mm, mm,
2: mm. Well, I believe, as I stated, and I think you're saying, and we all see this, anyone who sees anything clearly, I believe liberals who may not be listening to this podcast, I doubt that they do, even people on the left who try to listen to reasonable people on the other side should be very worried because they're at great risk as well, as I said earlier, and I'll say it again until someone hears me, uh, this affects every American when we are literally reliving the days before the American Revolution with the Democrat Party acting as the British in the minds of many, and they're not irrational, we're in real trouble. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation.
1: Donald Trump said that the uh, uh, the
0: visit took place and described it in pretty harsh terms. It would be interesting to find out exactly Uh, what the warrant was in order to have what, what
1: the order was to have a search warrant and for what purpose. But again, we can only speculate.
2: Now, many have compared this to Watergate. You've written in depth on Watergate. Please tell us what similarities you see here.
3: Well, first of all, Watergate was in large part a manufactured scandal. As I write, Here we are 50 years after the fact Mm. uh, in Watergate, and most people don't know what really happened in Watergate. They're still asking these questions. Oh, why would we have this senseless burglary? Uh, What was this all about? And then Bob Woodward will say, well, it's about a president obsessed with winning. But really, the real essence, in my mind, of Watergate was, looking back on it, and I was always a big Washington Post fan, Mm. uh, that the media manufactured a, a scandal to to some degree now nixon did did not cover himself in glory he's uh advised by a conflicted counsel named john dean yeah who was really more concerned about john dean than richard nixon but but nonetheless the post did not tell the public and they did not tell the white house who did who who knew much less than the post what was really going mm. on So
2: well, you wrote a book called "The Mysteries of Watergate: What Really Happened," and you represented a man named W. Mark Felt, who was deep throat, right? So you know an awful lot about it. What What is that book about? The Mysteries of Watergate, and why does it matter? Does it still? I mean, sorry. Why is it still relevant in this case?
3: Well, because we. Fifty years after the fact, our most impactful political scandal, the only time a president's been removed in our history, ah. we still do not know the truth about Watergate. I'm not making this up. This is not it's 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 obvious facts that I have put together that the post never reported. I explained to people in the book why it is that none of us knew it. I didn't. I, I followed this pretty closely. I didn't know any of this. Huh. And and yet now I've that I've unearthed everything. I understand how I was kept in the dark, and uh, as any intelligent reader would have been. And to me, that's really the lesson of Watergate. It's not about this terrible abuse of power. Compare, Michael, compare uh Richard Nixon's actions and his one of his aides sent a, a letter saying that Edmund Muskie used the word Canuck in uh at one time. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. You're sabotaging his campaign. Now, compare that to what Hillary Clinton and, and James Comey did to Trump in mm. 2016 on Russiagate. So uh, Watergate is always held out as this standard against uh, which all scandals are measured. Uh, and, but it's now going to have a different meaning if people understand what happened. When you say worse than Watergate, what does it mean? Well, well let's you, for the
2: people yeah. who are listening or probably younger people listening. Mr. O'Connor, who don't even know in, in a short version what was the Watergate scandal.
3: Well, the Watergate scandal was that some people broke into the Democratic National Committee. They're all associated with either the White House or the committee to reelect the president, okay. apparently. And, and and the Nixon White House covered up any attempts to find out who was who uh, higher up, what higher up authorized the burglary.
2: And who did the burglary? G. Gordon Liddy, if I recall?
3: Yeah, G- he was the head of the team, G. Gordon Liddy and Howard Hunt.
2: And they broke into the DNC looking for some kind of information that allegedly the Republican candidate or candidate could have used against them. Right. That's it. right.
3: And and everyone posits that it was for the election. But here's the problem. Mm. This had nothing to do with the election. It had to do with they were listening to naughty boys talking to naughty girls down the street. Mm. And the CIA was had a had a program that they wished to be. Uh, legalized by going through this. So the CIA was involved, but so was uh, a couple lower White House age who who, who thought they would get uh, brownie points by getting dirt on out-of-town Democrats. But it had nothing to do with the election, had nothing to do with Nixoners in their circle. As uh, But if you read history books today, you will get the impression that this was a Nixon campaign operation, and it wasn't. Who did it? Well, John Dean was the chief guy. He was as high up as it went. He was an obscure little council uh, who was interested in, in striving to the top. So he did it, and uh, there was plenty of money around to fund his operations. He wanted to be an intelligence guy. Oh, I get He it. understood that the way up in the White House was mm. to gain dirt on other people. Oh, God. Well,
2: now, you know. You you represented the man who is regarded as the revelation of the identity as deep throat, so to speak. Okay. Who do you think was the deep throat in this Trump raid? I mean, we, we don't know, but do you think there was a deep throat who was saying Trump has something hidden in the basement?
3: Oh, yeah, there was They they had some sources that that would verify and, and, and it really didn't take a, a rocket scientist to get this information you read in the papers that, oh, Trump had this storage area padlocked. Well, he had it padlocked because his lawyers showed the government where the documents were two months earlier, and then the government wrote him and said, wrote the lawyers and said, by the way, would you secure the basement? Oh. Okay, we'll padlock it. Well, thank you very much.
2: Oh, so they make it sound like he padlocked it to hide it, when in fact the government had asked them to padlock it. That's right. Oh, so right. what is it? Is this, again, a show trial, a Stalinist show trial? He's hiding something. Uh, he's dangerous. He's got r- information from Putin in that basement. First of all, if he even did that, which he didn't, we all know he didn't. Why would he even keep it? It would have been tr- trashed a long time ago.
3: Right, right. Well, the, his lawyers have been talking to the government for four or five months at that point. The government investigators that have been down there three times. So, yeah, this is a show trial. And, Michael, let me just remind you of this the government uh protocols are that sensitive political actions should not be taken within 90 days of an election and it just so happens that this particular action took place either 91 or 92 days before voting was to begin
2: oh my god so well you mean the midterm it. elections it's right. time 91 exactly. day oh my goodness
3: that's right that's why they did it
2: and uh a, and, so they did a show raid Even if they come up with nothing and never talk about it again, Trump's already guilty of hiding something.
3: Well, sure. Everybody feels he is. Andrew McCabe, uh, uh, the uh, slimeball ex-FBI guy, gets on the says, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. And I think, well, maybe Andy McCabe thinks what I do. Oh, this is terrible because I couldn't believe a president of the United States would commit such a heinous crime. (laughs) It must be a heinous crime.
2: You show me the man and I'll show you the crime. Well, I've been fearing that we're moving into the Stalinist uh, purges of uh, of the 30s. And I don't think we're too far from a, a title I wrote years ago called Trickle Down Tyranny. And it wasn't written in jest. If you were Trump's legal advisor, Mr. O'Connor, what would you say Trump should do at this moment?
3: Well, I think he should do nothing more than he's doing right now. Um, he, he kept his uh, cool They were very measured in their responses. Mm -hmm. I don't see if he makes a big deal out of this. Everybody's going to try to say that he's hiding something uh, about the only thing that he could do to enlighten the public is come out (laughs) with a summary of all the cooperation that they have been giving to the government here about a fairly routine matter. And I might add, by the way, that for 200 years of our country's history, uh, presidents took ownership of their papers it's 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 in fact most of the presidents had willed their their papers after they they took the papers from office then they would will them to their heirs Mm. so it's it's not (laughs) it's part of our country's tradition that presidents leave with their with their presidential papers now with richard nixon of course everybody uh changed the norm and they passed laws that oh no the presidential papers all belong to the country but i'm not so sure you can change what probably is constitutionally implied but nonetheless that's the, the, i i would i would let the public know how silly this is michael savage a host like no other I do think, though, they're, they're, they're making a martyr of the former president and, if anything, elevating his chances. And the thing is, is if the mass majority of the country thinks that the government is actually using the apparatus of their FBI to go after a candidate, it will make uh, him even more popular. The headline on the Drudge Report, and, you know,
2: Matt Drudge has moved not to the center, but to the left. We all know that. And the headline is The Don Pleads the Fifth. And it says, Trump flashback, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Ex-president fears agents planted stuff in Mar-a-Lago after a nine-hour search. <clears throat> Speculation about flipped aid going down like Al Capone, <laughs> question mark. Ghostwriter muses classified docs taken to sell. FBI search Melania Wardrobe, judge linked to Epstein, blah, blah, blah. And the Don Pleads the Fifth is the bold headline in red letters this morning. Trump says he refused to answer New York attorney general's questions and probe of his business. That's a totally separate case. But of yeah. course, of course, the 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 press in this case, Drudge, tries to link the two together now with the, 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 the raid. There's nothing to do with the raid, correct?
3: Right. And any defense lawyer who did not advise his client to take the fifth in this situation, when he's clearly a target, they're going to use everything they can get on him, no uh-huh. matter how silly or preposterous that guy should be disbarred if he doesn't advise client, uh trump to take the fifth i prosecuted cases we just assume i'd call up the other lawyer and say you guys are going to take the fifth aren't you yeah. oh yeah of course okay then you don't even bother it's such a routine thing I and see. so you can make a big deal of this but it's not it well, shouldn't be a big deal the new york
2: ag Letitia james is gunning for him and she has been and she's going to nail him to a cross if she can and his lawyer said, don't even answer her. Just take the fifth over and over again. That, I mean, I remember and I don't know who they were. You may remember them. When Democrats were questioned by Congress a few years ago, every one of them took the Fifth Amendment repeatedly.
3: Sure, sure. absolutely. I, I mean,
2: I saw them. I, I forget the case. I can't recall it now. So now they're going after Trump in New York business practices. Uh, they're going after his children. This is biblical in it's in its uh, context. Well, think
3: about Michael, how immoral this is. The ends justify the beans Mm -hmm. is one aspect of this. The second uh, classic uh, principle is if you're invisible, as Plato and other philosophers have said, said, are you going to be moral? Well, these people (laughs) on the left are essentially invisible. They, They are not called to account for what they are doing. And so they can act immorally and no one says anything about it.
2: Well, you know, that leads me to that leads me to the city that we all loved and may still love a bit. We live in probably the most corrupt city in America, one of the most corrupt cities in the world. It's ruled by a one party system. Pelosi rules this with an iron uh, high heel. People keep saying that the vice president, Harris, will take over when Biden's not long for the job. We all know he's quite advanced in senility. Anyone can see that. I don't know if you saw the sad pictures the other day of him coming back on air, uh, uh, Marine One. He couldn't put his own jacket on. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. And then his glasses guy. fell off. This is the leader of the free world at war with Russia. And she's threatening China. And this guy can't put his jacket on. and His wife has to help him on. And then his glasses fall off his head. I mean, if I were Chairman Xi, I'd be laughing all the way to Taiwan. But that leads us back to Nancy Pelosi. And I don't know if you care to talk about it with me, but I believe that uh, Kamala Harris is a product of the Pelosi machine and that, frankly, Pelosi's running the country right now.
3: Well, that may not be far off because I don't think Kamala is. I don't think she is a um, uh, I don't think she's a rocket science, Michael. Let me put it that way. I think you couldn't have picked a person who people to run for office that are duller (laughs) mentally than these two.
2: Now, when you say these two, you mean, you mean Biden and Harris.
3: Right. Exactly.
2: They're complete. They're complete, uh, completely malleable.
3: That's right. That's right. And, 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 and all sorts of progressives were pushed into office as part of this sweetheart deal with Bernie and, uh, Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and so forth. And, uh, those people are in control. Hillary's, uh, uh foreign policy advisors in there jake whatever his name is sullivan uh oh no th- these people are controlling everything
2: there's jake sullivan he looks so weak to me and i know he's an obamaite in fact most of the people running the state department and foreign policy are are obamaites which is why we're enmeshed in a war a proxy war with russia in ukraine uh i don't even want to go there because i have no faith in the Zelensky. i think he's about the most shallow individual and the most corrupt individual on the world stage right now. I've never seen anything like it. Country is given billions of dollars. And he says, it's not enough. Go to hell. Yells at them like crazy, man. But well, we're involved in a war with Russia. Now she goes there to Taiwan and triggers maneuvers by by China, which, uh, thank God, has not led to anything. But it won't anyway. People ask me what I thought. I said, the Chinese think the long game. Of course, they're not going to act now. They're going to make moves now to make believe, you know, like threaten, blah, blah, blah. They're going to withdraw until the midterm elections. And if they see the wind is blowing, this is my guess. I like your opinion. If they see the wind is blowing to a sweep for Republicans and America is going to get tougher on China, then they're going to move to take one of the smaller islands between Taiwan and Taiwan Straits are in that area. But they're not going to do anything until that time. If they see the Democrats are still in power. Uh, God knows what they're liable to do because they're going to do nothing with the Democrats in power. What about about Pelosi? How does she get away with such corruption?
3: Well, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not so sure she's in the top 10 of corruption. There's so many other corrupt people in that this this area. But basically, (laughs) they all get away with it. Think about the fact that we have a corrupt president who's clearly compromised by China. And nobody mentions it. you can't see a mainstream media story that suggests that maybe the whole uh, chip manufacturing capacity of the world, which is centered in Taiwan, is endangered by Biden's corruption. How about that for a story? Mm. And how about somebody in the media saying, by the way, under the Justice Department guidelines, Merrick Garland, you're supposed to uh, uh, appoint a special counsel to investigate the Biden uh, uh, group because clearly there's probable cause to to run an investigation. But nobody raises their voices. They do it when it's Richard Nixon. They do it when it's George Bush and this uh, Plamegate thing, this phony thing. They do it with Russiagate. But no, 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 no. Now the shoe's on the other foot, and more clearly so, and nothing happens. And that's mainly I I see as an artifact of the media, uh, which is just really just... Uh, the, the PR uh, wing of the uh, pro, uh, PR uh, agent of the progressive wing.
2: Yeah, they're, they're the absolute. They're the state media and they work only for the Democrats, obviously. And of course, we have no media in that regard, except for small little outlets here and there. But it leads us to the bigger question of um, the Trump case, which is what we're talking about. The FBI raid, I'm calling it the Trump the Trump raid, you know, putting the two words together. What do you think is going to come of all of this?
3: Well, I don't think they really I think it'd be really a stretch for them to prosecute him for any of these uh, crimes regarding uh, classified information. I think that it would look too silly, especially in light of what happened to Hillary Clinton. And he's mm. been very above board with everything. I don't think he's committed. a. Well, I, don't, I know he's not committed a crime here but they can always manufacture one, given the very broad language of these statutes. I think it would be a big mistake for Garland to prosecute him because it it, it will look so weak. I think their big goal is to try to bring something on January 6th. That's where I think they're headed. That's where the whole uh, uh, party is headed. That's where their messaging is headed. If they can get a January 6th indictment against Trump, then maybe they hobbled him for the next election.
2: So this is all about the January 6th committee.
3: I think so. They think that's their big selling point. They'd it's, have nothing. I mean, they're, it's they're, not they're going
2: anywhere. Terrible. The public's not reacting to it. Every poll shows the same thing.
3: Well, it's all they got. Think about it. You know, <laughs> inflation's t- ridiculous caused directly by the administration. I mean, you 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 keep people from drilling for oil, and guess what? Everything that has fossil fuel involved, the price goes up. Boy, that's a real rough one. Uh, mm. So, do, who caused the inflation? Well, it's directly at the at the doorstep of Biden. So you know, so they 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 have nothing to stand on. They look terrible on, in Ukraine. They look look terrible on mm. everything.
2: Biden says there's no inflation at all. Um, I don't he it, I don't think he even knows where we're living. biden and white house claim u.s has zero inflation despite annual rate remaining at 8.5 percent this is a headline in the new york post this morning they claim the u.s has zero inflation how did they just lie with such impunity
3: well because somebody's going to print it and without any sense of uh scorn I would say that's how I mean. And you see people on television, uh, on CNN and places like this, which I will try to stomach for a while, uh, try to defend this stuff. It's 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 amazing. I suppose uh, you could say, well, if you just eat three fourths of the meat you usually eat, then it costs you the same.
2: <laughs> right. All right. All. Oh. So to summarize, the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, in your opinion, is about January 6th a fishing expedition what could they possibly find in, in the boxes that they sent to him <laughs> that would help them i think the most important part of this interview so far with john o'connor who knows his business he served as an assistant u.s attorney in northern california from 74 to 79 he's done some major cases and mr o'connor says it's all about a fishing expedition but we also learned that these boxes that were hidden by Trump had actually been sent there by the General Services Administration That's after right. he left the White House. So what are they f- going to find in there?
3: Well, what the General Services Administration should do and probably did do here is they try to separate a president's personal correspondence from historical correspondence, Then they send him the personal correspondence. Then they do their job, and then somebody – on the political side of things, on the justice, screen, says, "Ooh, personal correspondence. Maybe we can get some of that personal correspondence, and we can find out if Trump was uh, communicating with this person and that person." And then the Putin again, Russia
2: Gate, Russia Gate, Russia
3: Gate. It could be Russiagate. It could be him communicating with John Eastman and people like that about how to fight these election issues. And they're, they, I think that's what they're looking for. So anytime you're going to get Trump documents that go toward that end. They're going to try to use that as part of the incitement concept. Now, the only problem they have is that uh, the Supreme Court back in the Warren Court days, which was a very liberal court in Brandenburg v. Ohio, basically said you better, you better uh, have a direct incitement. You better mm-hmm. tell people directly, I'm go burn that building. And if you don't have evidence like that, then you're not inciting. The fact that you may say all kinds of things uh, doesn't mean you're inciting a riot. So they have some headwinds here. Let's put it that way. But they are going to try to build that case. And, Michael, one of the things that happened, and this happened from, since the time of Watergate, is that the Justice Department prosecutors know that you can charge any anybody with a crime in washington dc especially if it's a conservative and you're going to get a conviction
2: oh my god it's that bad we really are living in a Stalinesque time
3: right right we had a little committee back in those days in which uh, people would review indictments going out for fear that somebody was indicting some something that was too too loose and too weak because they knew they'd get a conviction didn't matter what it is you can just charge anybody with anything back in those days. And now we're coming back to that. Now you, you get a Trumpy in their, uh, their, their toast.
2: We're speaking with John O'Connor about the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. Mr. O'Connor wrote the book, The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened. And I suggest you buy the book because it has relevance to what went on at Mar-a-Lago. Mr. O'Connor, thank you for being with us today on the Michael Savage podcast. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Bye now. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, Sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.